Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to Cotton Grower Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. This is Jim Stedman, editor of Cotton Grower. And believe it or not, it's officially harvest season, according to USDA. Its September 12th crop progress report says that 8% of the U.S. crop has now been harvested. Uh, but of course, that's only based on some pretty low percentage information coming in from, from uh, Texas, Louisiana, and South Carolina. Otherwise, it's pretty much business as usual to finish this crop out. And we're going to talk about some of that in just a few minutes. Right now, I want to welcome my own cotton companion, Beck Barnes, back into the studio. Uh, we've been on the road again and both had the pleasure of being part of the Stoneville Seed 100th anniversary event in Stoneville, Mississippi last week. And Beck, that's that's really part of, right there in your backyard. Yeah, yeah, man, it was. Uh, and, and that was neat. Super neat for me uh, to be able to get back home. Uh, like you say, I'm I'm from a little town called Leland, Mississippi. That's right there outside of uh, Stoneville. Or I guess you say Stoneville is outside of Leland. Stoneville is a suburb of Leland with all of its 3,000 residents. And Leland itself, well, I'm not going to say that. It's a suburb of Stoneville. So well, suburb, well, suburb, I would say of Greenville, which, you know, that's the big city. It's got like 30,000. Um, so... Yeah, you know, it's I'm from right there in that area, so it was really neat for me uh, to get to be back home, got to see my parents, and um, it's funny, Jim, I don't know if I told you, <laughs> as I was driving out to Stoneville, as you guys, uh, most of our listeners are from rural areas, you'll know this little bitty town, not the easiest to get to if you're from, if you're not from the area, and uh, yeah, as I'm driving in on the outskirts of Leland, I start seeing um you know, cars with Tennessee plates doing U-turns, like clearly turned around and doubting their Google Maps, uh, thinking that they're lost. And I was like, I mean, I was like a, a shepherd. <laughs> I would track people down and honk follow at them. Me. Yeah, roll down my window, say, just follow me. It's just a little bit further down here, uh, as if it were my event, as if it were that were my job to do. It was not. But anyhow, yeah, you know, I felt like I was a, a partial host because everybody was in my hometown. Um but it was a super neat event. I mean, you know, uh, let's not lose the forest for the trees here. A hundred years, Stoneville was celebrating a hundred yeah. years as a seed brand. And uh, that is just such a remarkable accomplishment when you think, I think, um, uh, was it Brian Perry who got up there and said the average lifespan of, a, of a, any business in the U.S.? I forget, don't let me get the years wrong, but it's like, I can't remember, Jim. It's I think not 100 it was, years. No, it was not. I think he said three years. I mean, when you think about all, yeah. all businesses. And um, I mean, this is a brand that uh, has made it 100 years. It started as a little family operation uh, with the Walker family. And right. the Percy's were a, a very famous family from that era in the Mississippi Delta. And uh, they got together and they, they started this seed brand, you know, trying to just help help business, help farmers compete. And um to have made it this long, it's a testament to the germplasm. It's a testament to the companies that have shepherded it. Uh, it's been under the umbrella of a lot of different companies. Of course, is BASF's right now, and they are certainly a good uh, a good uh, company to be have your have your brand with. And um, anyhow, man, it was a neat deal. You know, I thought about Jim. That there was a second where they asked for uh, any any comments from the audience. <laughs> And I thought about speaking up then. I thought about I, turning around to look at you at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't think it would be appropriate for uh, the and publisher and editor of Cotton Grower Magazine to uh, to speak at that time. But, you know, to me, when you think about, you know, Cotton Grower Magazine, we're for 
cotton farmers. We we are trying to provide service service journalism so that cotton farmers can do better and run their business better and help them succeed. Mm-hmm. And you know, you look at it, and I'm preaching to the choir here. Farmers are listening, but every single input imaginable that goes into producing a crop gets pricier and pricier every year. And a farmer's only source of income, his only uh, uh, source to be able to keep up with those rising input costs is that bag of seed. You know, is that, can he increase his yield to keep pace with how much more expensive a gallon of fuel is or how much more uh, expensive a uh, crop protection product or a tractor is today than it was 50 years ago. And so these guys, these uh, plant breeders, uh, these scientists at these seed brands that are putting these traits in these seeds, they're our lifeline. They're our farmer's lifeline. And so, you know, um, they get paid for that. I'm not saying they're doing volunteer work, but sometimes we do, we ought to applaud them uh, for the seed that goes into these bags that's keeping our industry afloat. And, uh, you know, I think Stoneville is a case in point of that. Yeah, definitely. And there's been, there's been some great leadership in that company over the years. Uh, you know, both from the, the very beginning and into, then, then when you move into the 90s, when the company really took some quantum leaps ahead, uh, you know, with, uh, as the genetics and the biotechnology came into it, it's, uh, it's been fascinating to watch. Now, you know, they're 100 years old. Cotton Grower has been around for what, Beck, 70 plus years? No, we're and, at uh, we're at 100 in some, in some capacity. Yeah, our roots go back to about 100 years or so. Okay. Well, sure. I wasn't around when it started. So, uh, yeah. you know, I think we're north of, gosh, this is, you know, I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, Jim. But <laughs> I think we did a, I think we acknowledged it a couple of years ago. I think we were at like 125. Really? Uh, okay. But I think both of us are having a mental lapse <laughs> right now. I think I, we're well north I, of 100. I'm like you. I, you know, I can't remember anything yeah. anymore, you know, but, uh, <laughs> You know, I think that just that just comes with the fact that, you know, we're trying to cram so much stuff into our heads. Some things have to fall out at, right. uh, at certain points, too. But but anyway, um, while Beck and I were at the event last week, um, our good friend, Dr. O.A. Cleveland was there as well. And we had the opportunity to catch up with him uh, on some of his observations and thoughts about how this 2022 crop and market year is going to turn out. Uh, as you know, if you're a regular listener, O.A. is never short on opinions, and he's certainly not shy about sharing them. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to have that discussion for you here in just a few minutes. Well, Beck, obviously, you know, Stoneville was a, was a, a good event, a great event. Uh, and on a similar note, I was out in Lubbock two weeks ago uh, for the first time since, uh, since April of this year and, uh, and really and truly got out there just in time for, uh, for a rain event. It was, as I told somebody, when I was out in April, I got out there just in time for a, you know, a good Texas windstorm, uh, sandstorm blowing around. Um, and this time I get to come out and uh, we get the, the classic High Plains haboo with the thunderstorm and the dust all mixed together. So uh, I guess I have bookmarked my, my travels to that part of Texas this year. Uh, well, some I, people I swear there have been... That's been a common theme with cotton grower editors because there's been years yes. where I go out there in a drought and like while I'm there, they get a rain. Like we, yeah. maybe we need to, we start charging for that. For well, you know, and I, I thought about that because a number of people, you know, I, I went to visit with folks at, at Plains Cotton Growers and they go, why, why'd you take you so long to get back out here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, well, hey guys, if, if you need, you know, if you need rain, we'll try it. 
you know, yeah. It, it, yeah, there's gonna be a price attached to it. Yeah, we'll but, get out there. Uh, we'll get out there and do a little dance. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we can come up with another another industry service for yeah. know, for the publication. But anyway, um, always a good visit out there. I was primarily there to learn about a new native trait package that's going to be available in phytogen varieties uh, just in the southwest next year. Uh, this package has been designated W3E1, and it combines the Enlist cotton trait and the Wide Strike 3 insect protection for growers who are looking for a weed management program on those acres that can, can be managed without glyphosate. So uh, this package will be going to allow growers to apply Enlist, Enlist 1 and glufosinate herbicides for over-the-top weed control as well as their traditional pre and post-emergence herbicides that are labeled for cotton that don't contain glyphosate. And it'll, it'll be a way to help reduce some input costs during the, uh, the growing season. And at the same time, allow growers then to come back with glyphosate in the off season to help with cotton stalk destruction or to control any volunteer cotton that may, uh, may show up in the field. And uh, it's, a, it's a nice little trait package that Phytogen is planning to package uh, and license to other cottonseed brands beginning in 2023. So, you know, we, we always look at, uh, I think sometimes we take for granted the fact that traits keep coming, but it's, it's actually been a few years since we've seen something new coming into the market like this. And, and granted, this is, this is gonna be a geographical advantage to the folks in the Southwest at this point, but uh, there's some other stuff coming from some other companies that we're aware of. And, you know, as soon as those registrations fall in place, we'll, we'll be talking a little bit more about those. So shorthand, hold on, Jim, shorthand W3E1 is how that's going to look on the that's field correct. sign, on a variety mm -hmm. sign. Okay, tell me, am I saying it right? Wide strike three and list one? That's that it. How you, that's it? Okay. All that's right. It. Well, good for the I'll, folks at uh, Corteva and Phytogen. It, it almost sounds like a Star Wars episode, doesn't it? It does, yeah. You know, I'd watch that. I'd watch that episode. But anyway, speaking of 2023 and, and really what's left of 2022, like I said, we were able to sit down face to face with our good friend, Dr. O.A. Cleveland, during uh, the event in Stoneville last week. Let me assure everyone he's doing well and he is uh, more than ready to share his opinions about the current cotton market and even gave us some early prognostications about 2023. So, Here's what he had to share. Uh, we'll play that interview right now. We're coming to you live today uh, from Stoneville, Mississippi, where we've been uh, been visiting with the folks at Stoneville Seed and celebrating their 100th anniversary of, uh, of being in the seed business, quite a milestone. And joining me here uh, is our good friend, Dr. O.A. Cleveland. Professor Emeritus of Agricultural Economics at uh, Mississippi State University, and also a longtime friend of the Stoneville brand and, and the family, the Walker family, who uh, who started the company way back in uh, what was what that be 1922? 1922. That's right. Yeah, I wasn't here then. <laughs> <laughs> neither, neither was I. <laughs> But we, but we've seen a lot of changes in this company over those over those hundred yes, years. Yes, yes. That the company has been through a number of owners. The company has gone from uh, just what we would call the standard cotton seed to a seed today that's uh, a full technology seed. Uh, 
the genetics have been uh, improved from some Australian genetics as well. Just a number of things, uh, particularly on the Fibermax varieties that the company used, but it's there for Stoneville, and uh, they they have seen their 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 favorite child, Stoneville 213, back when I was in high school and in college, uh, develop into another brand today. That those genetics are now yielding cotton that's uh, three bales per acre on a regular basis, and those that are lucky that have the great weather, the great soil, uh, occasionally hit four bales per acre. Not a lot, but it is there now. So mm-hmm. the yields have been improved tremendously. More importantly, with those yields, we've seen very strong grades come out of Stoneville seed. Well, talking about grades and harvest and things that are that are coming up, we've we've looked back at the market. Uh, back in June, we had what what I would call, I guess, a market correction, uh, for for lack of a of a better term, where we lost quite a bit of value in in cotton price. Uh, back down into the 90s, 90 cent range, and now we're slowly starting to, to move back up. What's what's your perspective on, on this crazy cotton market right now? Well, thank you, and that's a great question. And if you'll allow me to first begin the answer was saying, uh, every year is different for cotton, for the market, for prices, but this has been the most phenomenal and uh, interesting year I have ever seen and it's been a year that I have seen some things coming but I've missed some others just total like total blindness uh, it's an amazing market we're still in it we're still seeing this two things that are different last year we had a very strong market because we had excellent demand mm-hmm. uh, we had plenty of supply but demand was very robust Something unusual coming off of a strong COVID year with the economy struggling somewhat. This year, we simply don't have much cotton at all. And the market has been anticipating, because of this short supply, that we would skyrocket again. But there is a significant difference between a demand market and a supply market. And we're seeing that this year because the market is not performing as well. Granted, there's not a lot of cotton out there, but at the same time, we've lost the demand. And demand is what moves markets. Demand is where you make your money. Uh, So as we move through this particular year of this supply year, we have a lot of problems keeping the market up because of that lack of demand. And while one would think, and I have been guilty of that, that the prices should be in the dollar twenties, it's just not simply there because the the demand has been so uncertain. Textile mills are running somewhat scared because they're not getting the orders from the apparel mills and from the retailers that they thought they would get. Mm -hmm. And again, that drops back down to a lack of demand even though on a supply basis we are at a not record but a historical low on carryover stocks the last time I saw carryover stocks this low cotton was well over a dollar a pound got even up to a dollar and fifty cents a pound so the inclination is to suggest or to think that we might see cotton at that level we won't I hope we will be able to move back into the teens. We were anticipating that one would think that uh, the prices that we're seeing now with respect to 
supply being so low now that we are at a, a historical low in stocks. We, they've been lower, but uh, not in the modern era. One would think that we would see prices in the dollar fifties, dollar forties, but we're not seeing that. And I would suggest to you very strongly we're not going to see that, even though supply is so weak because demand is not there. I'm hoping we can get back into the dollar twenties. Uh, well, the dollar teens actually. I, I actually am giving up hope to reach, say, a dollar twenty. But a dollar ten to a dollar fifteen, I think we can still go back because, I th to me, as I look at the world crop, it's probably two to three million bales smaller than USDA suggested last month. They'll give us a new report on September the 12th, uh, and I would not be surprised to see the U.S. crop a little smaller, not much. And the importance of the U.S. crop now, we know that the quality is going to have to come out of the Mid-South and the Southeast. The Texas crop has been hit so hard, we're not expecting much high-quality cotton there. So we have to have it from the Mid-South and the Southeast. As we move into the, now this September period, we're having rains on the crop that's open in the Mid-South and Southeast. That's not good unless we get tremendous sunshine on the way, and that's not necessarily forecast on a widespread basis. So as we look at this, 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 this availability of high-quality cotton in a limited year, in a year where supply is limited, we do have to be a little bit optimistic that we can see prices move higher. But there is a, there's always a limit to everything, of mm -hmm. course. But I'm thinking there's as much give and take as this market has gone through the last six months and even their last year. But certainly since June and we had this sell-off, I would think that we get back to the teens, the dollar 15, 14, 13, 18. Uh, I think that's about as much as we can expect out of this market. Okay. You mentioned USDA, you know, lowering our production numbers last month. What did it take it down to, like 12.6 million bales, something like that? 12.6. Uh, 12.6. 12.6 million bales, okay. yes. And, and like you said, we've got another report coming out here uh, very soon. Very. Anticipate another little cut in that? I would think we'd lower it 200,000 bales. Okay. I, I, th I think Texas is still got to come down 100,000 to 150,000 bales. Louisiana has to come down. I think Arizona, California have to come down. Not a lot of crop out there. I still think Tennessee is a, is a bit of a problem. They've had some good moisture after the uh, August report, but I think probably they've had too much good moisture, and that's going to hurt them with mm -hmm. quality and the ability to finish off the top crop. Okay. And it may be too early to ask, you know, but uh, any feel on where you think acres, in, in this market condition, where do you think acres might go next year? Well, if we took today's market, uh, Red Deck, December is 82, 83 cents. It's not enough. Mm -hmm. We've got to get December back up to near 90 cents. A lot of folks will say we have to have December at 95 cents. I don't buy into that. If we get December at 90 cents, 
And another way to look at that, if it's at 90 cents, probably 88 cents rings, rings those same bells. So we've got to get back into the high 80s to be able to maintain our acreage above 12 million acres. I think if we stay down here at 82 cents and beans stay $13.90, $14, and corn stays $6.30, $6.80, we do lose a million acres of cotton if we can't get off of 82 cents a pound. Okay. Well, as always, a pleasure to visit with you, particularly in person these days. My pleasure. It's always great to be here. It's great to see you and make plans for a cotton trip and a, always remember to give that gift of cotton. Absolutely. Thank you, OA. Appreciate it. Thank you. So that's it for this episode of the Cotton Companion podcast. Uh, we want to give a special thanks to our old buddy, Dr. OA Cleveland, for sharing his expertise and his opinions with us uh, down there in Stoneville the other day. We're always happy to hear from him. And as always, we want to thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. Uh, we know uh, that uh, if you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion podcast, boy, we'd appreciate it if you would spread the word to your neighbors and farming buddies. Uh, tell your friends about us. Uh, here's where and how they can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, The Cotton Grower E-News, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Cotton Companion Podcast is produced twice monthly by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues at the world headquarters for Maestro Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. I'm Jim Stedman. He's Beck Barnes. And we'll be back with you in two weeks for the next episode of the Cotton Companion. Till then, stay safe and get ready for harvest.